Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. If you think about the most important moments in your life, a few things probably come to mind. Uh, maybe you think of 9-11, or the fall of the Berlin Wall, or the moon landing. Uh, you might think of the more personal things, like the day you graduated high school or college, uh, your engagement, your marriage, uh, the birth of your first child, uh, maybe uh, the day your last child finally left the house for college, uh, the day maybe your child came back to live at home again from college. Um, we might think of some negative things, even. Uh, moments when everything changed. The death of a loved one, a cancer prognosis, the day that the pandemic started. But for most of us, an event that probably wouldn't make the list is our baptisms. In fact, most of us probably don't even remember it. We were infants. We were passive recipients but that doesn't make it any less valuable or any less significant. In fact, I would submit to you that your baptism is the most important moment in your life. It's the most valuable event in your life. Now, this is counterintuitive because we think, well, how can something be valuable to us if we don't even remember it, if I didn't have a say in it? But our gospel lesson, the baptism of Jesus, shows to us just how important baptism actually is. If you're going to rank the events in Jesus' life uh, in terms of importance, again, baptism probably wouldn't be at the top of the list. Maybe you'd put Christmas. Uh, but just consider that Jesus' birth, Christmas, is recorded in only two of the gospels. And only Luke really gives us a full picture. Jesus' baptism, however, is recorded by all four Gospels and mentioned by other New Testament books as well, as well as alluded to by some Old Testament books, including Isaiah, that we heard about earlier, where he says, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I am placing my spirit on him. He will announce a just verdict for the nations. The baptism of Jesus is the time when the world first get, gets a glimpse as to who Jesus is and what he has come to do. And it's very strange. John the Baptist is offering a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, baptism itself was nothing new. Uh, in Jewish culture, baptisms and ceremonial washings were common. Uh, John's baptism, which was a part of his ministry given to him by God, grew out of these different washings and baptisms. Um, but John's baptism was for the forgiveness of sins. That's worth noting. But the, real, the really strange thing is that here comes Jesus, the only one for whom repentance and the forgiveness of sins is not necessary. Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had no sins to be forgiven. John himself even declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
So why is Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, receiving a washing that is for sinners? Well, that's exactly the question John asks. I need to be baptized by you, and yet you will come to me? But Jesus answers him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus came into this world to fulfill the law. Jesus came into this world to obey God. From the very beginning, God demanded righteousness of those whom he created in his image. But every person fell into sin. Every person failed in their dedication to keeping God's law. Every person over and over again broke their promises, their vows, the good they wanted to do, that they didn't do, and the evil that they didn't want to do, that they kept on doing. Except Jesus. Now, what do we do when we feel the, the shame and guilt of our failures, of our sin? We try to wash ourselves clean of it, and, and we put the blame on, on somebody else. I was listening to the radio on my way home the other day, and I heard a story about the Chicago River. Back in the late 1800s, the Chicago River looked very different from the way it does today. It used to be white. And it wasn't because they, they put dye into it, like you know they do on St. Paddy's Day when they, when they make it green. Uh, no, it was white because it was so filthy. The city sewage used to be dumped into the river. Uh, factories dumped chemicals into the water. Trash and dead animals were thrown into the river. The water was so chocked full of waste and sewage that it was white with rot and mold. And it was said that a chicken could walk across the water without getting its feet wet. That's how disgusting it was. And that water flowed straight into Lake Michigan, which is where Chicago's drinking water came from. So cholera and other diseases were becoming pandemic. And so it was decided uh, that they needed to do something. Uh, and th so through a massive civil engineering project, they reversed the flow of the Chicago River. But all that did was to put the waste somewhere else into the watershed of the Mississippi and it actually created more problems of invasive species that scientists are still trying to deal with even today, 120 years later. We can't reverse our sin. No amount of effort or, or commitment on our part can make us clean. This is what makes Jesus' baptism necessary to fulfill all righteousness. What Jesus is doing at this moment is he is bathing himself in our filthy, sewage-filled, mold-ridden water. He is bathing himself in the sin of all mankind. And once he takes on this sin, there's no going back. It has to be dealt with. It has to be killed, crucified. At his baptism, Jesus commits himself to the work of the Father. Jesus commits himself at this moment to the cross and to us. 
And not only is he reversing the flow, he is obliterating the filth, the sin. He is purifying the waters with his own perfect righteousness. So why would Jesus baptize in a baptism of repentance? Well, simply to stand side by side with you and me and to take our place. To put sin to death so that God will look upon us with his perfect, as perfect and holy and not look upon your and my filth. And actually, immediately after Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water and we see and hear what the result is. We hear what it means for us. Now Matthew's gospel, Matthew's always alluding back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you needed two witnesses for something to be considered true. One person's testimony would not stand up in a court of law. The baptism of Jesus, remember, is the first public event in Jesus' public ministry. Before this, hardly anyone knew who Jesus was or what he was going to do. Not even John the Baptist was sure that Jesus was the Messiah. And those that did, well, no one would listen to them. Uh, the last miraculous event in Jesus' life was 30 years earlier at his birth. And only a handful of people were there. Uh, no one would listen to shepherds. Uh, no one would listen to Mary, uh, as the testimony of women wasn't counted in the court of law. By this time, Joseph is presumed dead, and the wise men are long gone. So there's no person's testimony that, on earth that will be enough. But Matthew tells us, suddenly the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him, and a voice out of the heavens said, This is my Son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. Two witnesses. The Holy Spirit as the dove descending on Jesus and the Father speaking from heaven, saying, This is my Son. With him I am well pleased. God himself provides the testimony that Jesus is his Son and that he is well pleased with him. And everything Jesus has and will accomplish. And this means everything. For us. Because my testimony isn't enough. Just as I can never reverse the flow of my sin, my sin or my faith can't carry me to Jesus. My faith cannot bring Jesus into my heart. I am too weak for that. But God knows our weaknesses. So he baptizes us. And he himself provides the testimony and the proof of this. Listen to how St. John the Evangelist describes Jesus' baptism and our own. John is answering the question, how do we know who is a child of God? How do we know who has faith that overcomes the world? The answer is God himself gives the testimony. John says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And as the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. 
If we accept the testimony of people, God's testimony is even greater because it is the testimony that God gave about his son. And the one who has the son has life. Jesus, in his baptism, becomes our Savior. And our substitute and our baptism is God's testimony to us of his grace to us. And this is all so important for us to realize because most people today want to make Jesus into merely our example. And they want to make baptism, my baptism, about my commitment to God. Like giving God some pathetic valentine. Here you go, God, here's my heart. Full of sewage and waste. And this just sucks all the joy out of life, all the power and the significance out of this sacrament. Because this makes God the passive one, and, and what you do, the most important thing. This isn't valuable. It's depressing. It reverses the gospel. If baptism is just a sign of your personal commitment to follow Jesus, then what does that have to say for you when those dark, world-changing moments in your life happen? When a loved one dies and it feels a part of you is gone. When an illness means nothing will be the same ever again. When some sin pollutes and defiles you so much that you don't even recognize yourself. When everything has changed, when you've changed, when your commitment to God fails, if baptism is just a sign of your doing and your commitment and who you are, it means absolutely nothing in those dark, world-changing moments. Because your faith and my faith is not enough to change anything. But Jesus, when he institutes baptism, is giving us something greater. When Jesus instituted baptism, he said, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, I want you to prove that you are committed to be a disciple of mine, to be baptized. He didn't say, you have to be old enough to confess your sins, or you really have to feel your sin, you really have to want it, you have to really desire baptism for it to count. No, as he says in Mark's gospel, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. As St. Peter says, baptism now saves you. Jesus, in his baptism, joined himself to our sin, committing himself to the cross to die for us so that we don't have to. So that means in our baptism, we join Christ too, but we die and are raised with Christ. In baptism, we are resurrected. Your baptism comes with the witness of the triune God. You are claimed and made God's own child. God declares of you as he did with Jesus, you are my son or daughter. With you I am well pleased. And nothing can change that. It is the most important and powerful testimony in all the world that can ever be given. Not even sin Death or the devil have the power 
or, or death itself have power to overcome it. Let me close with a quote from Martin Luther. In Christ, you see into the heart and the good favor of God. And the two of them are together from the very heights to the very depths. And this can never fail you because God cannot lie. And because this is all God's doing and by which he serves you. So you are also definitely in the same favor and even as deeply in the heart of God as Christ. So then again, God's favor and heart are as deeply in you as Christ. So now God, together with his beloved Son, are in you completely, and you are completely in him. And each one is one thing with the other, God, Christ, and you. Baptism is not your commitment to Christ. It is God's commitment to you. And so that means it is the most important moment in your life. God will not separate himself from you. It has nothing to do with, with your feeling from moment to moment or, or, or about your faith, about your baptism, or even about God. But it is God's feeling towards you. And in Christ, with you, God is well pleased. And so when everything else changes, God's commitment to you never will. Because it is based on Christ's fulfillment of all righteousness. Even if we don't remember the, the moment of our baptism, that doesn't change the fact of its significance. Because the blessings we receive by it, by faith through baptism, never end. In Jesus' name, amen.